Welcome to Keep the Faith Audio Tape Ministry. This is Evangelist Lawrence Nelson bringing to you undeniable facts that will prepare you to live forever with Christ your Savior and never die. This subject, the United States in Prophecy, number four, should be of tremendous interest to all on earth. For our loving Savior has given to us a prophecy of the most powerful nation on earth in his book called The Revelation. You will be amazed as we unfold these divine predictions. Let me begin with a personal experience. I once lived under another flag when I was a missionary in China. The war with communism made it necessary to return to America. While crossing the Pacific Ocean by boat, I became acquainted with a lady who was fleeing from Russia and looking for freedom. As we entered the Golden Gate of San Francisco, I noticed that she was pushing everybody aside on the boat deck so she could be the first to disembark. When the gangplank was finally lowered in place, she literally ran across to the ground. Tears came into my eyes as I saw her kneel down and kiss the ground of America. This country was now her land of freedom. This experience made me proud to be an American. And I still am. The United States is the greatest nation on earth today. Surely the God of the Bible, who has named other great nations in past history, has a purpose in unfolding America's future for us. Let us pause here to ask God for special help that we may clearly understand this prophecy. Please bow your head as we pray. Our loving Father, thy son Jesus has told us to ask in his name and thou would grant the petition. Please, dear God, send us thy Holy Spirit to guide us in this study that we may clearly discern the truth for this end time. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let us begin with a few questions. What was the cause for America? Why did it appear? What is so different about this country? What is a democracy? As we search for the answers, let me take your thoughts back to that cold, wet December 22, 1620, when the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock. Why? Why did they brave unknown seas? Why did they assume unknown hardships in leaving their country, their homes, their loved ones, knowing full well that many of them would die before becoming established? Why? Each year we celebrate Thanksgiving to remember these pilgrims but the majority of Americans are only interested in eating a turkey and other goodies. They have long forgotten why these people came to this country. The pilgrims had been living in a land that was totally under the control of the papacy. During the Dark Ages, the Catholic Church controlled the world from 538 to 1798. These dear people wanted to worship God as the Bible taught. They lived during the time in history when a person could be burned at the stake for even owning a Bible. Never forget that. This is why they fled to America to escape papal persecutions. In a Catholic book, The Question Box, on page 164, I read, Catholic Europe, before the Reformation, regarded the Pope as the supreme court of international law. And another Catholic source, called The American Quarterly, of April 1911, the church tells us the vicar of Christ took up the scepter to which emperors and kings of Europe were to bow in reverence through so many ages. When this power ruled the world, there were great persecutions. You will recall that I read of such an example in our tape number two from the book entitled The Rise of the Dutch Republic, volume one, page 626 by John Motley. He writes of what happened just 50 years before the pilgrims left for America. I'm quoting. On February 16, 1568, the Holy See condemned all the inhabitants of the Netherlands to death. Can you comprehend such papal power? It was so mighty that when the people refused to obey the Pope, he could order a whole nation utterly destroyed. I continue to read 
quote. Three million of people, men, women, and children, were sentenced to be scaffold, to the scaffold. You know, it's hard for us to comprehend such an evil persecution today because we live in a land of freedom. It seems that the vast majority have forgotten that the papacy was the cause of the rebellion of Protestantism. And this was the reason why the pilgrims fled to America. As one studies the history books of this period, he will discover that the Protestants studied their Bibles and knew of the same events which we have been studying in these tapes. They found that the dragon was Satan. Now pause here and look at the beast chart that has been enclosed with this tape. Locate beast number one, the dragon. As they studied these prophecies, they knew all about Babylon, beast number two, as you will see on your visual aid, and of Medo-Persia, beast number three, and of Greece, beast number four, which was followed in 168 by pagan Rome, beast number five. They knew all about the little horn for they found it was the same as the papacy, beast number six. They studied the prophecy that the papacy was to rule the world for 1260 years and then receive a deadly wound. For they read in their scripture, I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. But keep in mind, this wound had not happened yet, for the Pope was not taken prisoner until 1798 by Napoleon. As these Protestants read the amazing verse found in Revelation 13.10, which says, He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. They knew from personal experience that the papal power led into captivity. Captivity into what? The dragon power. As they studied further, they read from the scripture, he that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. You will remember in our last tape, number three, that Berthier, a general under Napoleon, went down to Rome in 1798 and took the Pope prisoner. Now, follow me closely. As the papacy received his deadly wound by the Pope being taken prisoner and losing his world power, the Bible predicts another world power would arise in the world. I am reading the next verse, Revelation 13, 11. I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns 
like a lamb. Now take your beast chart and look at the beast number seven. I want you to notice that this beast appeared at the exact time the deadly wound was inflicted. You will remember that one of these beast nations, whenever wind went down, there was always another to take its place. For example, when Babylon was destroyed, Medo-Persia took over. When Persia ceased to rule, Greece came into power. When Greece crumbled, pagan Rome seized world power, but was later overcome by papal power. In the same year that the papal Rome received its deadly wound, the United States rose to world power. Looking back in history, we find that God had a plan for the United States to arise on time. For in 1492, Columbus discovered America. In 1620, the pilgrims came to America and landed at Plymouth Rock. As the years went by, the colonies began to form into a government. In 1776, the Declaration of Independence was made. In 1787, the Constitution was drawn up. In 1789, the Bill of Rights was formed. In 1791, the Bill of Rights was adopted. But now notice, in the year 1798, the French government, the very nation that brought about the destruction of the papacy in 1798, recognized the United States as now being a world power. Isn't that amazing? God's word never fails. This nation arose exactly as foretold in Scripture. Now, don't think for a moment that we have discovered something new. Consider that great man of God known as John Wesley, who studied his Bible diligently. He wrote in the flyleaf of his Bible in Revelation 13, some 40 years before the United States became a world power. These words, quote, He has not yet come, although he cannot be far off, for he is to appear at the end of the 42 months of the first beast." Unquote. So John Wesley knew all about the 1260 years of prophecy. He knew that just in a few years in his time, this beast, the United States, was to appear. Now let us know something else about the United States. In Revelation 13.11, it tells us it was to arise out of the earth, not out of the water, 
as all the other beasts did. For scripture states, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. The beginning of the United States was utterly different from all the other beasts of history. You will remember that water in prophecy stands for multitudes of people and nations. As we read in Revelation 17, 15, and he said unto me, the waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples, multitudes, and nations, and tongues. All the other great nations like Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, pagan Rome, papal Rome, arose by destroying another nation. But not so with the United States. It developed slowly in a land with a few scattered bands of Indians where millions of buffaloes roamed the prairies, not amid people of great nations. Have you ever thought that when our government decided to show a symbol of what this country was like when it began, it produced the buffalo nickel? You probably have one in your pocket right now. In Bible prophecy, God always gives special characteristics concerning each nation. For instance, concerning pagan Rome, that great monster, beast number five, we were told it would have ten horns and three of them would be destroyed. The leopard beast number four would have four heads, revealing that during its reign it would actually be ruled by four generals. Medo-Persia beast number three would lift up itself on one side, revealing that the Persians would overthrow the Medes. All of these specific details were given by God years before they occurred, so that we would never doubt his word. Likewise, God has given us specific details concerning the United States. Beast number seven. In Revelation 13:11, it states that this beast would have two horns like a lamb. Now what does do horns stand for in the Bible? When you turn to Daniel 7.24, you discover that horns represent temporal and religious powers. Let me read that verse to make sure. The ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings. Then it states, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, meaning it would be a religious power. Notice that the horns on the beast representing the United States were uncrowned. The papal Rome beast had crowns on each of its horns, but not so with this beast, the United States. Its horns were to be uncrowned. Why? 
because the Pilgrim Fathers fled from a government governed by a monarchy controlled by the papacy. They didn't want anything to do with this kind of a government in this new world. They were determined that America would be a land of civil and religious freedom. Church and state would be separate. Two uncrowned powers. This is what a democracy is all about. What the world had not seen for over a thousand years. A totally different kind of government. A state without a king and a church without a pope. Doesn't God make it simple? It was to have two horns like a lamb. And what could be more lamb-like than republicanism and Protestantism? Both uncrowned. Let me tell you something. This has been the secret of its great power and prosperity. This is why millions came from Europe to dwell in America. When the government of France saw the people of Europe fleeing to this new country of liberty, they built for us the Statue of Liberty in New York Harbor. This beautiful lady represents a land of freedom, totally unlike that of Europe, where church and state had been united. Now I have a confession to make. I don't like to give the rest of this message. I am proud of this great country. I love my country. But as a servant of God, I must preach what God has said. I read in Revelation 13:11 of the United States, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, as we have just seen, and he had two horns like a lamb, but now notice a change. He spake as a dragon. From the Bible, we know all about the dragon. This power came down from heaven to disrupt God's plan on this earth and to lead men into captivity. We shall learn that Satan is doing everything possible to change this land of liberty in our day. Now notice what it tells us about this beast, the United States, number seven, and what it is going to do. We don't have to guess, for God makes it very clear. The Bible says in Revelation 13, verse 12, he exercised all the power of the first beast before him and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now that's a startling revelation. When will this change in America take place? After the healing process. 
which started in 1929. We studied all about this in our last tape. This was the date when the Pope received from the dictator of Italy his Vatican State. Thus, in 1929 is the date when the wound began to heal. Now let me illustrate. When a person has been in bed for a long time with a wound, he doesn't jump out of bed and carry on as usual the very moment that the doctor states that the wound is beginning to heal. Usually, there is a long time of convalescence until he is able to continue as he used to do. We will now discuss what is taking place in America as the papal wound heals. Keep in mind that after this healing takes place, our nation is to speak like a dragon. What is happening in America that would make such a change possible? You will remember it was Protestantism that caused the wound of the papacy in 1798. God was using the Protestant Reformation to prepare the people for his second coming. This was a time when God also produced the mighty signs of a soon coming Savior. For example, on November 1, 1755, God shook the world with the greatest earthquake since the flood which was known as the Lisbon earthquake. He wanted to arouse the world to the nearness of Christ's return. And on, Mar on May 19, 1780, God darkened the sun. That night, the moon appeared as blood on November 15, 1833, and the stars fell. As we read in Revelation 6, 12 to 13. I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her timely figs, her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their place and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondsman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us! and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? This great prophecy was to let the world know that the time of the end had arrived. These signs with a worldwide message that the final judgment of God had commenced 
in 1844, as we read in Revelation 14:7, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. But Protestant churches could not accept these warnings from God. Then, in 1914, came World War I, which destroyed most of Europe, making it possible for the healing of the wound in 1929. In this very year, a change began to take place in America. Since Protestant churches had rejected God's three angels' messages, they once more, sorry to say, began to teach papal traditions. I found a book, Present Day Trends, written by Beats, written in 1934, just five years after the healing of the wound began in 1929. He discovered that Protestant churches were beginning to change their beliefs. He sent a questionnaire to the ministers, which revealed that these preachers in 1934 no longer could be called fundamentalists. Why? because they were turning back to the traditions of Rome. Let me read to you a little of this survey. You may find it hard to believe. Remember, this was written in 1934. 24% of the Baptist ministers no longer believed that they were, that there was a devil. 50% no longer believed in hell. 22% of all Baptist ministers didn't even believe in heaven. 37% no longer considered the Bible to be God's book. Now isn't that amazing? Can you see that a great change was beginning to take place in Protestantism immediately after the healing of the wound began. Let's take the Congregational Church. 44% of their ministers no longer believed in the devil. 96% no longer believed in hell. 44% no longer believed in heaven. 91% said they could not believe that the Bible was God's book. Thank God for the Lutheran ministry. Not one of them said they didn't believe in the devil. How could they? You will recall that Martin Luther saw the devil. However, they too were beginning to lose their confidence in God's word. 20% said that they could no longer believe the Bible to be God's book. Turning to the Methodists, we find 
that the surveys told that 70% of their ministry did not believe in a devil. 92% did not believe in hell. The total results of this survey in 1943 revealed that 65% of all Protestant preachers no longer believed the Bible was God's Word. It is no surprise then that some 44 years later I discovered a magazine printed in America in 1970 called The Look Magazine. You will find special issues of The Look Magazine are still appearing on the newsstand today. In this issue of 1970, they gave a report of a survey taken in all of the Protestant seminaries in North America. And believe it or not, they discovered that only 1% of all the young men studying to be ministers in Protestant seminaries of America in 1970 believed that Jesus Christ would come back to this earth. It'd startle your thinking, for these are the men that are now the pastors of Protestant churches in our land today. No wonder God says that in the end time they would have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And consider this. Immediately after the healing of the wound in 1929, we had a president by the name of Franklin D. Roosevelt. He was one of the smartest politicians to ever become president of this great nation. He recognized what was taking place. He saw that the church and state were beginning to get together. On December 6, 1933, he sent a message to Congress, which, and I am quoting word for word, churches are the greatest influence in the world today for spreading a new philosophy of government in which state and church are rightly united in a common aim. What's he talking about? What did he say is happening? He noticed that the Protestant churches were promoting a new program in which church and state were to be united. This was the beginning of the ecumenical movement and President Roosevelt knew what he was talking about. Now let us explore this further. Since Protestant churches were turning from the Word of God, they must have some place to go for doctrine. They began to preach a social gospel of modernism based on higher learning together with the traditions of Rome. Let me give you proof of this change. 
Dr. Arno C. Gabillions in the book Our Hope, June 1940. I read as he tells of a pastor of a large Presbyterian church in Hollywood, California, who, and I quote, not only denied the existence of a literal hell, but taught the remedial and corrective sufferings in purgatory were needed to save the lost. What's this? A Protestant church in America preaching that we need the teachings of purgatory to save the people? Where does such doctrine come from? Not in the Bible. Purgatory is a teaching of the dragon found in the teachings of Rome. He continues, quote, We were also greatly shocked some time ago to read this statement from a Methodist pastor, the son of a very prominent Methodist editor within, wherein he states, quote, He would be happy to have a Roman Catholic priest in his pulpit to conduct the Mass. What's that? A Methodist inviting a Catholic priest to his pulpit to conduct the Mass? Do you know that the Mass is where a human being believes that he can actually take the life of his Creator? Where does such a false teaching come from? Not from the Bible. It comes from tradition. Where did tradition come from? The Bible states it came from the dragon. Surely you can see that a change is developing within Protestantism in America. In another book, Present Day Trends in Worldwide Apostasy, by W. O. H. Garman, I read, quote, While in Chicago some time ago, we were told of an Episcopal church in which they had confession, burned candles for the dead, and celebrated the Mass. And in the Atlantic Monthly of January 1922, Volume 1, Number 51, I found the following, Dr. Charles M. Sheldon, a noted congregational minister, had this to say, quote, the church is looked upon as a place to go hear someone, but people want something more than preaching. They want comfort and courage and help that does not come to them when it is handed out wholesale. The confessional are you listening? Of the Roman Church is a recognition of a human craving so deep and eternal that it is a bewildering thing to see how it has been ignored by Protestant Church which has emphasized preaching above piety and the pulpit above the person." Unquote. Amazing. And today we hear of the interchange of pulpits all over the land between Roman Catholic priests, Protestant preachers, and Jewish rabbis. 
I will never forget the day when I was pastoring the Woodside Church in Sacramento, California. My telephone rang, and it was the priest of the nearby Catholic Church on the telephone. And he said, I would like to come over and preach in your pulpit, and I will let you come over and preach in my pulpit. <laughs> you can be sure I quickly answered, no thank you. My friend, I am trying to show you that a religious change is taking place in America. There are now 24 leading Protestant churches who have joined together in a federal council of churches for the one purpose of joining hands with Rome. On the other hand, the papacy is reaching out its hand to the members of Protestant churches, calling them our separated brethren. Day by day we can see the growth of the ecumenical movement. In Revelation 13, 14, God has told us of its purpose. For it states, He deceived them that dwell on the earth, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. I was amazed as I watched the television of the Pope's last visit to America, in which Protestant leaders proclaimed the Pope as the greatest man of this hour. Protestant America is beginning to make an image to the beast. Let me read it to you from Revelation 13, verse 12 and 15 to 18. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause, that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. We are going to discuss these details in coming tapes. In view of such a warning by God, what should be the Christian's attitude as we see these things developing before our eyes? I read in Romans 13.1, The powers that be are ordained of God. Therefore, we must obey the laws of our government in every respect as a Christian until those laws conflict with God's law. In Acts 5.29, Peter and the other apostles said, We ought to obey God rather than men. 
As a Christian, we should be foremost in defending our great country, paying our taxes, and praying for the president and those in Congress. Christians should honor the flag and serve in the armed forces as a Christian. Loyalty to our flag will be second only to God and to his flag. But let us remember a crisis is coming in which there will be a time of trouble such as never was. How we should thank God for the information our Savior has given to us in the book of Revelation so we will know how to conduct ourselves with the help of God. Let us pray. Loving Father, help our minds to comprehend these great prophecies of the Bible, that we will be enabled with thy power to discern truth from error and to obey only thee. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now be sure to listen to the next tape, number five. I promise you, you will never forget it. It is titled, The Priest, His Confessional, The Church. Don't miss it.